On today's show, is Evan Mobley the best building block in the NBA among third, second, or incoming rookie players? We're going to talk about it and debate it on a new episode of Lockdown Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I am Chris Manning from If You're the Sword, Cleveland Magazine, and Just Basketball Show and more. The man I have with me today is my co-host, the better half, dare I say, with me over at the Just Basketball Show. It's Brendan Clean. You can also check him out at Lockdown Suns. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Brendan, how are you? I'm good, man. We are in the offseason, and I just did an insane experiment on Locked On Suns of the best-case scenario offseason, so I'm just like full of letters and numbers and cap sheets in front of my face. And uh, I was thinking about the last time I was on this show, and I think it was in a hotel room in Vegas talking about Evan Mobley after his Summer League debut. Yes, that was one of the f- that was the first and only time you and I got to hang out in person. We we One of the things we did was... Uh, make the the weird decision to walk from the arena and like get water at like what was I think a BP, but like it is like the only place to get water in very hot Las Vegas between the arena and downtown Las Vegas. Yeah, crazier decision for you being that you don't experience desert summers. I was cool with it's true. It. You're you yeah. were like you know fish out of water. Yeah, but you know I I'm here for the war on cards is is what I'm trying to say. I'm really just anti. Let's let's just walk places. I'm I'm all for that. What we are going to talk about today is Evan Mobley versus different draft classes and how he stacks up as a building block. In segment one, it's going to be Mobley versus his own class. Segment two, Mobley versus the Palo Bancaro, just the Chet Holmgren, this rookie class we just saw, or in Chet's case, did not see. In segment three, Mobley and Wemby. I think we kind of know where that one's going to go. But, Brennan, to start with his class, he's the guy. He's the guy in his class. He just says, I would take him over Barnes, who I, I don't think had that great of a second year. I think he's obviously ahead of Jalen Green, who's kind of lost in the wilderness a little bit to some degree right now. Although mm-hmm. Paul George called him the king of Houston. Okay. Kate Cunningham, I think, is the one guy that could have the profile to rise above him. But he didn't play all of last year with yeah. a shin injury. And his team hasn't been good. That counts against him. This I like Franz Wagner. I like Trey Murphy. I don't think those guys with the same caliber of building block. Alperin Sengun is really fun, but he's never going to be like a plus defender at center, despite how much of an offensive wizard he is. Mobley, to me, is the guy in this class. Am I, am I just being a homer here? Yeah, I was going to say, you're kind of setting me up to have to be the hater of, of Evan Mobley because I have to play devil's advocate here. Let me say this. I think that we would feel differently if Cade Cunningham didn't like mess up his shin this year, right? If we had just yeah. seen him, the recency bias wouldn't favor anyone else. I mean, it would just be a building block from what an awesome rookie season he already had. And like, I've just been an ama- a big Cade guy for a long time. I think he's an amazing prospect. I think he's on his way to being, very, being a very good NBA player. 
as long as they can put shooting around him, I think his size and IQ and three-point shooting, like all those different things set him up to be a pretty promising NBA player. It just, I think, is a philosophical thing. Do you like to have a big guard who can score and shoot, who maybe isn't going to do much to impact the game defensively, or, you know, a killer defender who already does that, whose offensive game you expect to flourish over time. It's they're they're sort of in opposite spots right now. I think that's a good way to frame it. And I think if the, I think if you go back to this draft night, Cade goes one. And I think Jalen Green, frankly, goes ahead of Mobley as well, because the league is about perimeter scoring. It is about guard play. It is about perimeter initiation in a lot of ways. That's going to be something that Cade just has. He'll have an easier path to scoring in the playoffs, you know, if and when he gets there, because he's going to have the ball in the perimeter. That is baked into how he's going to play. I think it is just that Mobley is already this, like, one of the best defenders in the league. Like, he's not... I got a little overbore, I think, on where I was with him in Defensive Player of the Year, but like he's up, he he is going to win one, and I think win a couple at some point in his career. He's going to be that that elite on that end. I don't think there's anyone in this class that's going to touch him there. So then it goes down to the offense. Cade has that path to get there. He's he's really Brennan, the only guy. I like Scotty Barnes. I like a lot of these other guys. Cade's the only one that I think if if it goes right for him and he can stay healthy and his team gets better. Maybe Monty Williams, with all the money he's getting, can, can help him do that. That's the guy that I think could push Mobley for being the best building block in his class. I, just, I think it's a, it's a two-year track record and all that stuff. I think Mobley, to me, just gets the bump in large part because he's really contributed to winning in the last two years. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the hardest thing to do, and Mobley's already proved it, right? I, I just Your point on the evolution of the league since, and I think it'll factor into the the next comparisons we make in the in the next two segments too is it's just I actually think that Mobley he was seen as a little bit old-fashioned I think when he got drafted not old-fashioned but we thought we had seen players like that before right whereas Cunningham it's like well somebody who can pass that well who's that big who can shoot that feels like what everybody's trying to get right now like I'm speaking as if we're in 2021 but since then you know the value of size that can stay on the court offensively has only gotten more impactful, right? I mean, you kind of need a player like that if you're going to guard Embiid or Jokic, which are the two past MVPs, and Giannis. Like, Mobley can guard all three of those players or be part of how you try to stop all three of those players. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we know that he has a pathway and, and already is capable of staying on the floor so like you just you don't have to look much further than what Anthony Davis just did defensively in the playoffs to feel pretty good about what Mobley is going to do and so I think that is what has to make you feel more optimistic and probably levels him above where Kate is because the type of player Mobley is right now is actually becoming more important more popular more vital rather than the opposite let's hit on ranking these guys in this class as of right now. Just kind of put them in a, in a quick order. I would go Mobley 1. I would go K 2. I would go Scotty 3. I would go Franz 4. And I would st- I would probably put Jalen Green at 5. This is very much, uh, you know, splitting hairs. But I would probably go Mobley 1, K 
Cade two. Um, yeah, I think you still have to go Scotty three. I would, I will put Jalen Green fourth. Mm-hmm. I still think that's a pretty irreplaceable skill set if he can hit at the top of what we think he can do. And yeah, I'll say Franz fifth, but I think Shangun. I think we're. I, I think we didn't talk about him enough, but his defense has to come a long way. But he's pretty young still, so uh, he, some combination is, of those two guys at five for me. He is absolutely like an offensive dynamo, and like obviously we're staring at an NBA Finals right now that has a center who's not like a defensive like monster in the way we kind of would expect centers to be. That would kind of lead us to think that like you need to be that it's just he has to be, i think be so so elite on offense in a way I, I also just like don't know what to make of the rockets in any of this yeah, like some of this is situation some of this is situation con- con- contextual mobley has definitely benefited from the fact that his rookie year they had jared allen there to kind of shield him from some of the full-time center responsibilities and he was there for darius garland's breakout year and then they got donovan mitchell so like he had a different kind of context than even Cade, who like, obviously got hurt and missed a whole year, but like Jalen Green has been kind of in a rudderless situation. That hasn't helped him, I don't think. That hasn't helped some of these guys. I think that's like a very... If we want to like nitpick on some of this stuff and say, like, how do you really know? I think some of the situation is there. But I, I would have Mobley won, um, and we'll see how he compares. Next to the Paloban Caro-led draft class, I think this is going to kind of exasperate some of the, the debates here. But first, got to tell you about our friends... At FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports money partner of Locked On, and, and you should make a fast break over to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Brendan, you know this. You also have a, a feature on this team. I bet I feel great about it right now as we're recording this before game one of the finals, regardless of what happens in that game. I have a Nuggets title feature right now. I put that down right when sports betting came online in Ohio. I got that at plus 800. I'm feeling wonderful about uh, the Nuggets. And I got the Nuggets at plus value to win in five games, which is the, my pick for that series. So I'm feeling good about both those. Feeling great. FanDuel, by the way, always has promotions to check out. It is safe and easy to use. You get paid instantly as well. If you want to set limits every month, you can do that too to bet responsibly. That is how I do it. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is fanduel.com slash lockdown. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every dayers will be back on Monday. Moving on to the Cavs center position and specifically asking if they need to invest and a legitimate backup big above the scale of Robin Lopez. We'll talk about that. Really, really sexy stuff in June. Real sexy. Brendan, I'll turn this over to you first. We have, this is the Palo Bancaro class. This is the Chet Holmgren, who didn't play last year, but is obviously a, another freakish, really interesting seven-footer. You have Jabari Smith Jr. as well. Where do you go at as, as far as Mobley versus the, the Palo-led class? It's funny how much different one year makes, how much of a difference one year makes, because I feel like I know so much less about these guys than the ones we were just talking about, even though it's just one season. But the potential here is like what's hard to Mm -hmm. separate yourself from. Like there's a lot more names that I'm looking at in this class, even as far down in the first round as like Walker Kessler. 
I was gonna like, make a I was gonna make a Walker Kessler joke, but like he was actually really really good. So like it's yeah, not, it's like the kind of guy where you can kind of you know, think like maybe maybe this guy could if he's you know the type of dominant big man, but with more of a polished offensive game that we've seen. Like that's a humongous like max player that impacts you know how their team wins games for many many years and you can't necessarily know for sure that Evan Mobley is going to be that, even if you feel better, like I'm not going to put Kessler above him, but I can see it. Um, and then obviously at the top, yeah, Chet, Jabari, Paolo. I actually lean more toward the guys taken at two and three than I do Paolo, because I just don't see a path where Paolo is good enough defensively um, to bring what I think Mobley is going to be able to do cumulatively. Whereas Holmgren and Jabari, that's always been what they are. Um, which of those guys do you, I mean, we haven't seen Chet, but which of those guys do you feel better about if you're betting on one to like reach their ceiling and, and maybe even be better than Mobley? I, I would go Palo. Um, just, of the guys we saw, I'll answer this in two ways, because I think my real answer is Chet. Because, like, he has the two-way, like, freakish thing. And some of the offensive stuff with him, he felt a little bit maybe more advanced coming in offensively than Mobley did, even if I think Mobley was ahead on the defensive end. I think that contrast is really interesting. But I was coming off this injury, and, like, what does that look like? Paolo, to me, has the same advantage Kate has, except he's bigger. He's a shot creator. And certainly he wasn't the most efficient, but that's, like, what happens when you're a rookie. You get handed the reins, you get handed the keys to a franchise, and you just kind of, like, get to make mistakes and play with the ball in your hands a ton. That is obviously something we haven't seen with Mobley for a variety of reasons, but that got to happen with Paolo. Paolo is going to be this big-bodied, scoring type that is just going to be able to get his own shot, I think, for forever and ever and ever. And that skill set just is always going to be really, really valuable. And I think at that size, that's such a big advantage. Um, again, Jabari, I think, turned it on later in the year. I don't totally always know what to make of guys in that Houston context. I'm excited to learn more about all of them hopefully with a better coach and, and all that stuff this year with, with Ime Udoka yeah. in there now. That's let where me, I go with it. Let me, uh, so Chet is interesting, but I just think, and, and to, to butter Mobley's bread a little bit again here and not come off as the hater, I do feel like Mobley is, has what I think is like the most underrated and honestly just one of the straight up most important skills like micro skills that an NBA player can have which is just like functional strength just yeah. being incredibly strong and physical in the way you do things you have to be able to do stuff that matters in basketball but if you can do it in a way with enough force that you can just have advantages over whoever you're playing against consistently that's just huge I mean that's a big part of why Jimmy Butler is special there's defenders who who have that that other guys don't etc so Holmgren's not going to be that right like and so even if I think Holmgren might have an easier path at a jump shot or, you know, already has a little more passing IQ and ball handling ability, it's like that's all still a pretty big question mark for somebody his size. I'm not going to just like lock that in. OK, Chet's going to be like, you know, making plays off the bounce next season. That's silly. So if you're really betting on what we already know, well, Mobley kind of has the advantages already built in and the other stuff's just hypothetical. Jabari is really interesting to me, though. I think what he did at the end of the year is really legit. 
He's only 20. He just turned 20. So like he's one of the straight up youngest guys in the entire league. He's fluid with the ball. He can shoot from deep already. And he's a versatile defender. So he's not going to be the type of interior defender that I think Mobley is or Chet is in, in terms of shot blocking and toughness around the basket and everything else. I think he's going to be maybe more like Siakam or I don't, I don't know what the comp would be there. Uh, defensive, mm-hmm. like just the style that they're going to play. But that package all around on both ends, you're getting close to what I could see being Mobley's ceiling that Jabari has. They're going to be different types of players, but I could actually see Jabari being similarly impactful by the time he hits his prime. If Houston doesn't ruin him, like you said. Yeah. Houston, just wild cards all around there. All right. So if you, if I had to, if we're going to rank these, I would go Mobley, Palo, Chet, Jabari. I'm really high on Chet, but the injury stuff obviously is scary. And I just, I really, really like what, what the, the kind of standard thing we kind of see from Paolo and kind of the thing we've seen from him that has really worked. I would go that order. Um, would, I think you would go, what, Mobley, Jabari? Yeah, I think I would go Mobley, Jabari, Paolo, Chet, and then uh, Walker Kessler, who we mentioned. I also think Jeremy Sohan deserves a shout-out. Also incredibly young, also incredibly and, versatile. And uh, and wing Jalen Williams, I think, would have to be in, sure. in here as well. Yep. Yeah, he's one where it's like the wing pathway is like you have to just be so special. Um, but he could do it. He's very good. How would you compare... Obviously, we still have another year of data collection. You hit on this when we started this segment. There's a lot more to learn, but would you have the 2021 class overall ahead of the 2022 class? I really like the 2022 class, just based on what the, we've seen in one yeah, season. But the, 2021, I mean, I think you could be talking about like MVP candidates in Mobley and Cade, whereas TBD yeah. on the 2022 class. So it's like top yeah. heavy versus depth, I guess. Yeah, I think I think 2022 might have a little more depth, but I think the two best guys out of those two classes might end up being Mobley and Cade. And I would give that class the advantage. Like, I think if we're comparing those two classes back-to-back, those are going to, I think, maybe be the best two guys over that two-year span. And then if with maybe Paolo or Jabari or someone that kind of sneaking in there, maybe Czech comes in and lets the world on fire next year, we'll see. Very curious how cautious Oklahoma City is with him, considering like they have a lot of other reasons to really kind of accelerate things if they really wanted to that's just such a fascinating situation but i i think i would agree that it 2021 is a little more top heavy uh it was i i always did really like on just on a final note mobley guarding palo last year was really fun because palo would like give it to him sometimes and maybe this is shading me a little bit but mobley wasn't as strong as palo because palo comes in with this very thick frame ready to go yeah. Mobley was always already really cagey with him and able to like navigate that stuff. And it's just like that chess match of those two guys guarding each other. Um, I would like to watch more of that personally. That'd be fun. Mobley is going to be super fun. I mean, you know, as many guys as we've seen Anthony Davis have clashes with or Giannis have clashes with just that, like, what role is he going to play? What is he going to be doing on the court series to series night to night during the regular season? It's such a cool subplot there's not a lot of guys in the in basketball where it's like they they can like they're capable of and the coach trusts them to just do dramatically different stuff depending on the opponent and he's one of them mobley versus wemby 
Brendan, I look, I, I love Evan Mobley. I don't know what the Cavs would tell you, like, publicly. What we see from Mobley offensively is, like, maybe already better. <laughs> I think is better than what we see from Mobley in that way, right? Like, what we see from from Wemby in terms of the highlight package, and obviously France will be a transition to the United States. There's not, like, there is going to be a transition. That's going to happen. But what the kind of stuff we've seen him do... It kind of is like I, the offensive ceiling for him is like here, and Mobley's is is a little. It's just lower. It just feels like it is. And if we're kind of look, Mobley's had two good years, like two very good years for someone his age. It's Wemby. Like it just feels like the answer here is is Wemby. Yeah, as as gross as it is, like part of I think what you're doing. With this, not you, but what you have to do to compare these guys is like, is Vic going to get hurt? You know, um, and how much is that going to limit like what he is at his peak in the NBA? Because I don't think you really have to worry about that with Mobley. He came in with a body that's ready. He's never really had major injury history, any of that stuff. So you feel better about that. But I mean, I think when Binyama, like the place he's going to make an impact to start is I think he's going to be one of the best defensive centers in the NBA right away. And from there, it's like if he can shoot threes, if he can create off the bounce, if he's a good passer, if he does any of the other stuff that he's flashed at age 19 in a pro league, then you're just that much more happy. But it's like Walker Kessler, what we were just talking about as an example, like Vic might be at the ceiling we talked about for Kessler in the last segment in year two or three. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. It's just you're, the the scale of it is so much different considering like the skill set that we already know he has with how young he is. I think when we look at the rest of this class, that's where I think this gets interesting. Like I would take Mobley over Scoot, and I would take him over Brandon Miller. But I could I, I'm not the biggest Brandon Miller guy. I'm more of a Scoot guy. I I understand why Brandon Miller might go too. I'm much more of a scoot guy. I th- I think from talking to you, like on and off at just basketball, I think you are more of a of a scoot guy as well. Yeah, right. If, if I'm correct, I would take Mobley over both those guys. Wemby is just this. The hyperbole with him is crazy, right? Like the the best team sport prospect of all time. That stuff has gotten like real weird and like let's like let him like play a little bit first. But the hype is real. It's all warranted. That's the first guy the only guy in this exercise, Brendan, that I was like, that's clearly like, I think going to be a building block ahead of what Mobley is. But I would take yeah. Mobley over Scoot. I would take him over Miller. I just would. No, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment, which is the NBA right now, the most valuable type of player that you can have is a two-way big who's versatile and can execute on both ends in a variety of contexts, right? Anthony Davis or whatever the comp, Giannis, all the ones we've been bringing up. That's the... That's the cheat code in the NBA or being Jokic and being seven feet to 80 and being able to do all that. But that is not what Scoot is. Scoot is like Derrick Rose or John Wall, right? Like those guys are special. They, one of them won an MVP, but like never were those two, like, you know, these guys are going to own the league for the next 20 years. They were just all-stars, not MVPs, perennially championship every single season contender type players. And so that's really what it comes down to. Like even Brandon Miller, even if he's Jason Tatum or something, well, you would still take a lot of the guys that I just listed off over Jason Tatum. 
right? So it's like, and they're not, and that's like their ceiling. Whereas Mobley's already shown us he's on his way to his own ceiling. So it, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's like in a way, Mobley kind of benefits from having shown us more. But also, you'd think you would theoretically have prefer to have the younger guys, and yet Mobley still is over them. Like I, I don't know how you, how people value building blocks in that way, but that's kind of my view on it. Let's let's end on this. Let me ask you a question. What would it take for Mobley to for you to solidify him? Let's just put Wemby in his own category because I think he's just going to get talked about and covered and everything in that own category. What would it take for Mobley to really solidify himself as the clear number one vis-a-vis Cade, vis-a-vis the 2022 guys? What would it take in your mind for him to really just put his name in, in pen, in Sharpie, at number one on top of that list? Probably starting to show flashes of creating his own offense or creating for teammates. I think for him, it's more likely to be creating his own shot. He's not you know, going to be some sort of passer probably uh, right away, but you know, Face-up game, pick and roll, short roll, pick and pop, whatever way it ends up being for him, showing us what that consistent offensive pathway to being a go-to scorer could be, even if he's not doing it every night, showing us what that's going to look like and then starting to do it would make me feel a lot better. I think he already has, but um, I guess coming off the playoffs where it didn't really happen, you know, maybe that's the next step is doing it against the best opponents in the playoffs more consistently, all that stuff. That's where I would go. I, that, that is clearly it. It is. Can he hit some jump shots? Can he have more like easier pass to easy offense? that isn't relied on Darius Garland uh, being his lob partner. That was like one of the big things last year is that he got more efficient at the rim, but he kind of took over in some ways the Jared Allen lob minutes and, and lob catches versus with Darius Garland that was like a little small thing of last year that's not nothing uh I think we just need to see him function in that way and it's you look at some of the guys we've talked about Paolo has that already he came in with that like yes not the most efficient rookie year but he had that coming in Kate has that he's not the quickest guy he you know he doesn't have like that burst of athleticism but he like has the skill and the footwork and the jump shot making ability that's Jalen Green's like whole thing is that he can just do that Right, they create his own shot, create his own offense. If there's a thing that is going to hold him back from hitting the upper echelon, and and look, we've seen this with Anthony Davis. That's why I had Jake Madison earlier this week to to talk about the AD Mobley thing. That can like limit where you get to when you're 29, 30 years old. That's a long ways away, but you do need to see Mobley. I think kind of elevate in that way to really make himself. And even if he's going to clearly be like the like it would he would be like a very minus favorite among these guys. If we were to say, who's going to win a defense player of the year first among this group, among these guys, he would be the one. It's like probably that guy who's like already one of the best defenders in the league was a finalist for the award in year two. It's the other side of the ball that I think is just like tricky because I think, Brendan, even if you got to play both ways, we we value two-way players in the league. Offense, like I think, probably is a little more important yeah. than defense. It just is. Yeah, like, I mean, Davis is such a weird uh, development story too i mean i know i'm sure you guys talked about this but just the fact that he kind of popped on offense first even though defense was what he was thought of as being better at and he also was just on a bad team and so 
yeah, you know, dump it to him at the elbow and let him do whatever he wants. And yeah, you know, he'll start scoring 20 eventually. And then he got better over time. And now he plays with LeBron. So it's like, well, that went well. But now, you know, for Mobley, it's how do you find those developmental opportunities when you're on such a talented team and you're going to the playoffs every year where it's like whatever you thought you were great at suddenly doesn't feel so comfortable anymore. All right, we're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That has been Brendan Clean. If you liked what we just gave you, check out the Just Basketball Show. You can find that wherever you get podcasts on YouTube. Please come and check us out. Brendan, thanks so much for coming through talking about Mobley with me. Time, man. And Jake didn't even have to ding me in this one. Back at you on Monday, talking about the Cavs center position. Thanks again, everyday, for tuning in. And we're going to get into the real sexy topic of, do the Cavs need a better backup center than Robin Lopez? Hope you tuned in for that. Mm-hmm.